Welcome to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host. On today's interview, we have three special guests, all representing the S.E. Shires Company. We have Samantha Lane, Alexa Smith, and James Monahan. I think you really enjoy this inside look at what goes on in this terrific company. But before we get to their interviews, this. Continued interviews from Studio HFL are made possible through the support of Messina Covers, Eastman Music Company, Pickett Blackburn, S.E. Shires, and through the generosity of Patreon subscribers. Trumpet players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other brass instrumentalists. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to crazy color schemes. Let's not forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company and S.E. Shires. Eastman offers a complete line of brass instruments, from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know they're invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinsen helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. You can find more information about the Eastman Music Company at EastmanWinds.com and you can learn more about the S.E. Shires line of instruments at seshires.com. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any mouthpieces available through Pickett, you can check them out online at pickettblackburn.com. And on the Blackburn side of Pickett Blackburn, it would be worth your while to check out their incredible line of trumpets endorsed by such great musicians as Vince DiMartino. Be sure to check them out at pickettblackburn.com and that's Pickett with two T's. And before today's interview, just a reminder that you too can be a financial supporter for this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com slash studiohfl. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support, and you can choose the one that best fits your budget. Your support will help offset the cost of production for this podcast and would be greatly appreciated please consider becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And now, on to today's interview with your host, Larry Powell. My name is Samantha Lane, and I'm the Director of Sales and Marketing here at SE Shires. Um, I came to the company, gosh, I, I guess it was about six, seven years ago. Um, and I came on as almost like a part-time salesperson. I didn't have a desk. I just took my own laptop and sat in the corner of a room somewhere and, you know, took care of like some miscellaneous projects and would help out with some shows um, and loved the company so much. I had like won an instrument at a, a national trumpet competition raffle thing um, and knew that it was the best trumpet I had ever played and knew that it was a company that I wanted to be a part of. So yeah, I started on like a part-time basis, was obviously doing more than part-time work. And Steve's like, okay, I guess you're here now. I guess this is a thing. Um, so yeah, fast forward a few years and I was promoted to manager for our sales and marketing um, for SE Shires. And at this point I'm the director of sales and marketing. So I oversee our wholesale US and international dealers, our retail uh, division as well, our artist relations program. Um, as well as some of like the more boring stuff about like budgeting and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's also really fun because I have a 
a really fun role in the research and development and deciding what it is that we're going to do um, next and what people are looking for and, and what that's going to look like for our company. So that's a little bit about what I do. Great. We're going to come back to that. And we're going to talk about budget. I'd like to give you a breakdown. Uh, you want to give us a breakdown line item by line item first. Sure. Absolutely. I'm sure I would love to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Alexis, you want to go next? Yeah. All right. My name is Alexis Smith and my title is retail sales, which is actually very broad for what I do. Um, so I am the person who answers all of the emails for the most part. And also when people come in to try instruments, I am the person who fits them. So I basically get to geek out and play instrument all day with um, some people who are my heroes, some people who are becoming my heroes. Um, and I get to really meet the brass community. And that goes for trumpet appointments, trombone appointments, and now euphonium appointments, which is super exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I also do a lot of the play tests, which means I get to geek out even more and play trombone all day and um, try all of the different models and all of the different um, combinations you can make. So um, I feel very lucky. It's like working in a candy factory. <laughs> right. <laughs> James? Yeah, so I'm James Monahan. I'm the uh, general manager here at Shires. Um, I've been here since 2004, uh, I actually started just as a, a trombone customer and uh, got a job in, in our buffing room before I even really knew what a buffing room was. Uh, and um, I've, I've been here ever since, doing a lot of the jobs back in production. Right now, my role is is essentially overseeing all of the manufacturing operations uh, here at Shires, taking um, you know orders on paper and turning those into into instruments and getting them shipped to the right people. And uh, we've got about, here at the factory, we've got about 30 craftsmen um, out back making making the instruments, um, you know, from scratch and by hand. Um, and I'm, so I'm, I'm sort of overseeing, you know, that part of the production. Also working with our, our, our Eastman factories in China and, and both um, developing new instruments and processes over there um, and kind of pushing quality uh, on, on that side of the distance as well. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a really, it's really neat to kind of, to be able to work on, on two opposite sides of the planet to accomplish, uh, you know, kind of the same goals. You know, one of the things that impressed me, and I, and I didn't know this until I think somebody had published a video or it was a picture a year or two ago. It was like everybody in the shop plays. Yeah. And it's like, where can you go <laughs> where everybody is more than just, uh, you know, uh, payroll or manager or salesperson. I mean, you guys, you know your product because, that, I mean, that's kind of how you came to this, right? Yeah, and mo most of our craftsmen are, are, you know, started as musicians or are still very active musicians. Um, we have, uh, you know, four or five trumpet players that are, that are you know, active professional freelancers in town. Uh, you know, uh, a whole mess of trombone players. We've got a couple of tuba players, three tuba players. Um, one of which is is you know um, you know the first call with the Boston Pops and Boston Symphony here in town. You know, uh, we have a couple of percussionists, a saxophone player, guitar players. Yeah, so it's it is it is it is nice that we have we have kind of a leg up on 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 this kind of business because so many of our craftsmen do already play and do already understand. Um, you know, the reason behind the, the quality and attention to detail that we're pushing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty special thing when you can be playing in an orchestra and look down the section line and be like, hey man, what serial number is that? Oh yeah, I, I built that. It's right. a pretty, pretty interesting thing. But yeah, we started a, um, a Shires Brass Ensemble, which is open, well, in non-COVID times, um, which is open to anyone who works at the shop, but also friends and, and uh, colleagues around the area, anybody who's passing through. And, you know, it was an idea of docs, really. And he said, you know, it's so great that everybody here is so passionate and so committed to what they're doing. Let's get together and play. And we started it for one of our Shires Factory weekends, and everybody loved it. The idea stuck. Um, Chuck Shepard, who is uh, one of our, actually our longest employee here at Shires, but also um, in charge of our safety and uh, some of our HR stuff. But then, you know, he just, he does everything under the sun. He decided to take this on and, and really run this brass ensemble. It's a very special thing. We played with Joe Lessie when he came and we did nice, like nice. some holiday tunes. I mean, it's a, it's a really sweet little thing to be able to have. I, I, James, I like how you referred to trombone players as a mess of trombone players a minute ago. It made me think, you know, like it's a gaggle of flutes, that sort of thing, right? It's a mess of trombone yeah. players. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, Alexis, I've seen some things with you in the shop with trombones and it's like, well, okay, so this is going to even tie into how Sam picked my C trumpet for me. Okay. Right. But you know, so it's not just that you can play. I mean, you are an extremely talented musician, right? Thank you. You think so? Well, I mean, it's, I'm saying it, it must be true, right? <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's on a podcast. It must be true. It must be true, right? <laughs> Here, Alexis is a very talented trombone player. We get to testing trombones. She puts uh, a lot of us to shame. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, now uh, that's going to take me in a direction uh, a little different than I was headed, but okay, so you're going to play test trombones. Yeah. You don't spend your time on a B-flat scale all the time. I mean, what do you, how do you test these? It's Actually, it's really interesting um, because I think, and I really think most musicians can agree with this, the basics will show you most of what you need to know. And so the play test routine it's um, built off of basics. It's scales, it's row shoes, it's uh, basically exploring every aspect of the instrument um, in a way that I can play hundreds of times a day. Like I know the guys in the factory, they can sing my play test. <laughs> you know the order. Um, and so, so something even as simple as scales, you could feel how the instrument responds to you. Does a Colin Williams model play like a Colin Williams model? Um, is everything, I mean, like you have the basics, like is everything soldered properly, all of that sort of stuff. But it's also um, not only eye testing to see how the horn responds, but also I'm getting a feel for how to talk to people about it. Because <clears throat> especially now, it's really important for, to get out as much information as possible and be able to see so many different points of view. So with equipment, it's so personal that, you know, like something like a rotor, an axial, I play on an axial, but I totally understand why someone wants to play on a rotor. And so I need to know why they feel that way when they use certain words, we can direct them in the right path. So play testing not only is this wonderful way that we can have another layer of quality control, but it's also a way to get more acquainted with all of the components that we offer. Um, plus, I mean, I, I, I feel a little selfish that I just get to play trombone all day. I, I love <laughs> 
<laughs> so I've played them since I was, oh my God, almost eight years now. So really- now you're talking about Shire specifically though, right? I mean, you've, you've been playing much longer than just eight years. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been playing since I was 10. Um, I actually um, applied to Southeast Trombone Symposium when I was in college with the intent on winning a Shire's, which was awesome. Uh, my big introduction to Shire's. And now I get to play trombones all day and talk about them. Um, and that also goes for trumpets too. And listening to how people talk about trumpets when they're playing, learning the difference with all the valve caps. Um, and that's been amazing as well. Do you, do you talk to trumpet players as comfortably as you do trombone players? Um, I think, I think I'm getting a little bit more convincing, <laughs> but I think we're, a, we're a weird bunch. Yeah. Yeah. We're all a weird bunch. We're all a weird bunch. all in the family. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned Joe Alessi. Uh, do you guys approach artists like that or they come to you? It's like, hey, you know, I played one of these horns and I want you to get design something for me. Who, who reaches out to who and something like that? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the, the biggest thing to always keep in mind is that it, the world is a small place and you never know what type of interaction that you have with someone is going to stick and i think for with joe i think in this particular case he had seen the relationship that we had with a few of his section mates colin and george in the new york philharmonic they're both artists of ours and they both also have signature models um he had seen us at you know different events he had known steve shires from way back in the day when he was working with edwards he had positive associations with our company and for him it was a period of time where he was starting to think about making a change and, and that change ended up being us. And so, you know, that set of circumstances was because he had had positive relationships with our company over however many years. Um, I think it's really important that we have players who love the product, who love the instruments that we make. And like Larry, you're a great example. I mean, <laughs> you, you love the trumpet. I mean, I remember when we were going through the C trumpet process and I was like, you know, I think this is going to be the one for you and you got it. And it was just like this, this joyous kind of moment. I mean, we want people to fully, fully yeah, love their still wiping tears. Wipe tears <laughs> away from their face. Um, but you know, that's, that's the relationship that we want to be able to have with our artists and also our artists with their instruments. And so it really kind of depends on the set of circumstances, but more than anything, um, you know, it's, it's about how you, how you treat people and how you present yourself and how you present the instruments really. And a lot of, a lot of what happens is the instruments do the talking at the end of the day. So, okay. So then who draws up uh, whatever specifics are changed? James, is that something you guys do? Uh, or who handles you mean for like the... model, like designing? Yeah. yeah. Or, or I'm talking like, okay, Joe's going to come in, Joe, Mr. Leslie's going to come in, right. And say, here's what I want. Who's then going to be the person to start that process of actually uh, sketching everything out and designing the parts or the the tapers and that sort of thing. I'll let I'll let James take it, but I'll just say there's one step that happens like initially, and it's actually the same step that we take every time we fit someone to an instrument, whether it's in person in the showroom or at a show, or even now we're doing these virtual appointments, which have been really awesome. Um, but really, it's the first step that we take is trying to get to know the person and their playing. Um, also what type of playing it is that they're doing and what equipment they're currently on. So based on learning as much as we can about the person, we're able to make some pretty good informed 
um, I don't want to say guesses, it's more than a guess, but we're able to make some, uh, you know, thoughts and, and clear points about what we want to do with the instrument design. So with Mr. Alessi, we knew what he was currently playing on. We know his type of playing. Um, we know that he wanted to have a lot of color in the sound and have it project to the back of the hall. And based on all of those things, we can say, okay, we need this bell to, to have these characteristics. We need this valve section to really, you know, be just so like crystal clear, but like still dense and powerful. What does that typically look like? And from there we can take thousands and thousands of combinations and start to distill it down. Um, the real next step I'll let James take, um, that's when it's really starting to get a little bit more fine tuned to the player, especially in this research and development side, less about fitting existing components, but more about designing mm -hmm. things. Yeah, and, and you know, to kind of take where Sam's going, the, the process for, for creating a, a, you know, basically fitting, uh, you know, an artist like Joe Alessi um, to an instrument is, is very similar to, to, to fitting every other uh, customer to an instrument, right? There's, there's, a, there's a wide variety of stuff that we make. Um, and even just from our stock, you know, kind of quote unquote stock array of, of components, there's, there's a tremendous variety. Now, with someone like Joe, um, you know, he is, gives us a really unique opportunity. Um, as a player, Joe is able to play the trombone at a level that is, is you know, better, more demanding. Uh, he's able to put more into an instrument than most other human beings. Um, and and uh, I kind of, the, the best analogy that I found is, is sort of like, um, you know, having a race car driver road test your road car you know you, you put a formula one driver in in a in a you know a four-door sedan and if he can if he, he's going to evaluate how that car handles and when you right. put that sedan in, in the hands of a normal human being it's going to be great so that's that's one of the benefits of working with someone like joe you know or doc separinson or you know any of these people that that just play the instrument on a level that is that is you know beyond what most people are or even needing out of an instrument now with, with, with Joe's project, you know, we, he was able to give us, you know, good input and, but also, you know, we were able to, um, you know, give him feedback on what we were hearing on the other side of the, of the horn. And that was one of the things that, that you know, for me kind of even uh, was really pleasant about the experience is that, you know, you're able to, to, to basically give feedback to Joe Alessi you know, one-on-one, -on -one, like, oh, that sounds better. That, that that sounds like you're working harder. You know, that's that's that kind of relationship with someone on that level is, is really exciting for us. It was uh, what, maybe one of our favorite collective days at work, I think, for James and I being, like, working with Joe in this way and getting to hear him play and, like, being in the hall in New York and hearing Joe and Colin and George and, and David Finson and all these amazing players playing on stage and subbing in instruments and things. I mean, what an absolute treat that is as a musician. Yeah. What's I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead, James. Personally, hearing the New York Philharmonic trombone section, all playing Shires and playing excerpts in Lincoln Center was probably one of the greatest things that I've ever done at Shires. It was very cool. Yeah. That that was actually going to be my question. What's it sound like to you know be on the other side and oh and God. listen to listen to your work? You know, basically st stuff that you guys have been in. I always hate saying instrumental in creating, but right, it's you've helped get them to this point. I mean, it's got to be satisfying. 
you know, so, I mean, like even even before Joe came on, like anytime I'd go to hear the fill and get to see Colin and George performing on our instruments, anytime I get to see any of our artists or any of our, I mean, like if I just happen to be somewhere and I see somebody playing on a Shires and I've never met them before, I still get so excited and I like want to go and like say hi and all of that. But hearing, you know, a brass section of the utmost level playing on it, it there really is no greater gift for us. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty incredible and like moving feeling for sure. Uh, Alexis, when you're play testing, is there ever a clunker? And I can edit this out if you need me to. <laughs> is there ever a clunker? I mean, I feel like one of the great things about the horns is that there's so many different levels that each component has to go through and so many like incredibly dedicated and knowledgeable craftsmen that every component goes through that I think we catch pretty much all of them. At least like if I have qualms about something, it's probably like, oh, my face just isn't working today. Um, but I think there's so many built-in quality control levels throughout the entire process, not just at the end, that having something like a clunker would be, I think like James, Sam, and I, we'd all be to be like, how did this happen? Because it would be such an anomaly. Yeah, I think, I think a big part of it too is that the design of the instruments is so sound. And like our, our craftsmen are dedicated, our craftsmen and craftswomen, I should say, are, are dedicated and talented people. And there are steps and levels in the process and James has done a really great job of it, dramatically improving the quality of the instruments especially over the last five six years um, but the design of the instruments is also really effective and um, we can make sure that like Alexis said a Colin Williams model should play like a Colin Williams model should play like a Colin Williams model so so Steve really did set the standard for this right I mean this you know, and before we got to the point where you guys are today, the size and the scale of things, I mean, it's still, this was all built on Steve's original, well, there weren't trumpets in the beginning. It was just trombones, right? This it was a business his. in a basement. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a, um, it's an incredible journey. How many years? Like, I, I don't actually know when, when he started making instruments. Well, this is our 25th year in business, actually. Um, so prior to creating S.E. Shires, um, Steve was playing a role um, from the early side at West Music. He was um, doing some like repair and vacuuming out like rental cases and some of the like, you know, nitty gritty stuff that not everybody wants to do. It's not the most glamorous side of things. But then gradually began to take on more and more roles in um, companies like Shilky. He would spin bells for Shilky. He worked for Edwards at the beginning. Um, and that's how he had originally met uh, Mr. Alessi. Um, he worked for Osmond Brass out here in Massachusetts. And it was about 25 years ago that he decided to create S.E. Shire's company. And it was in his basement with two other uh, pretty incredible people who are still, uh, one of which is Chuck Shepard, who we were talking about earlier. He's still part of the company now. Um, and also Lou Anderson, who's a really wonderful and well-respected brass instrument technician as well. Um, so yeah, 20, 25 years. And James, I mean, you were there for a little bit longer of that process. You were here when we decided to start making trumpets. I mean, that must have been an interesting shift. Yeah, what was that conversation like? Well, Doc Severinsen called Steve and said, hey, I hear you guys make really good trombones. I want you to make my trumpet. Okay. 
That's, when Doc Severinsen says you should make a trumpet, you you figure it out. Um, we had done um, some work on trumpets before that. Um, when I first started in 2004, there were prototype trumpets that were Shire's trumpet, prototype trump, Shire's trumpets that were kind of floating around the shop and people were, were um, you know, tinkering with. Um, but that was long before we ever even considered making our own valve clusters and valves. I think those used um, either get center cancel valve clusters. Um, we were spinning bells and making knee pipes, but that was, you know, it was it was very much a side project at that point. Um, trombones were, were, were our primary focus. When Doc, you know, called us up, that's when the trumpet, you know, project really kicked into high gear and we started figuring out how to make valves and valve casings and really make a, a trumpet for Doc from the ground up. Well, look how far that's come. I mean, that's, that's a pretty quick evolution in terms of, of the life of the trumpet, you know, the Shire's trumpet. When we're talking, I mean, even if it were 25 years, that's that's a <laughs> short time. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the one of the great things is we have, you know, we, we had someone like Steve who who has you know a really really solid understanding of what makes instruments work, you know, and how to how to how to create, um, you know, a sound and a feel from from cheap brass and, you know, tubing, right? Um, but we also had, you know, a wide variety of people that that were instrumental in that initial design. You know, Lewis, Lewis Anderson that we, we just mentioned, um, a guy named James Baker, who's now down in Alabama, a French horn player, was part of our, you know, really early design work on that as well. You know, these these people that, that were, um, you know, we, we, we got input from, from a variety of people that were on staff and um, and we're still doing that, you know. We're we've got um, really talented people here that are that are you know giving us you know a lot of really good ideas and good input. Um, like literally right this morning, we're we're doing some R and D on trumpet bells. Um, we've got six or eight different bells in the back of the shop that are being made with different uh, construction uh, you know techniques. And I essentially turned my my bell spinner loose and said, "Hey, here's some ideas. Play around with this and let's see how they sound." So he's got six or eight bells back there that that he's kind of like changed the the manufacturing process a little bit, and um, you know it's 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 definitely a collaborative effort to 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 create and design these new instruments. Well, and to give somebody the freedom, right? I mean, if you're if you said to somebody, "Hey, I want you to go and let them use their creativity, let them use their uh, their ears, their knowledge to develop something," I mean, you may end up with the next. I, I don't know, holy grail of, of trumpet bells. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's that's the, you know, that is the benefit or, you know, that's the benefit of having so many musicians and really creative people as craftsmen, you know, they would be, they would be experimenting whether I let them do it or not. <laughs> Behind my back if I weren't already <laughs> encouraging it, you know. So, you know, you, you could fight them and say, no, only make what I tell you. Or you could really cultivate this, like, this you know, this culture of innovation and collaboration and I think that's really important to, you know, the way that we can grow as a big company. So a lot of, a lot of what I'm doing is actually just trying to help steer and, and focus some of this creative energy that's out there. You know, we can't just let it run rampant, but, you know, take a really good idea and actually turn it into a, an executable project and, and see what can result from it. And a good example of that is like our new C trumpet, our new 4S8 model C trumpet. And also on trombone side, but just since we were talking about mm -hmm. trumpet, Oh, sorry, what was that? 
No, I just got excited. You said new oh. sea trumpet. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> one more thing to buy. I know, I know, it's rough. <laughs> but, um, but no, that was an idea that a couple of the craftsmen had in the shop. And one of our, actually our, our prime play tester, Kenny, um, who's a fantastic trumpet player, but this was a design that he basically came up with. And um, we worked to refine it, but eventually over time that kind of grew into a standard model. It was such a fantastic instrument. But it, it came out of his wants and desires and he had been playing on, you know, all these vintage horns and was searching for something that was a little bit different. So it really, it really is a very exciting process, um, whether it's trumpet, trombone or now euphonium for us. Uh, before I became a Shires artist, I was playing on uh, Yamahas. I don't, I don't know, am I allowed to say that? Yes, of you guys? They're, okay. they're great, they're great instruments. <laughs> They are. They're terrific. Uh, yeah. I had the first generation B flat and C Chicago artist model. You know, they were, they were terrific and they, they matched. It was, it was incredible. It's the first time I'd ever had a B flat and C play identically or, or, you know, as identically as you want them to play. Right. Um, and I went to Manhattan and I visited Wayne Tanabe and Alexis, this, this is coming, this whole line is coming towards you. Um, so I get in there and I get my horns out and Wayne goes, okay, play something for me. And all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I became so intimidated and I know he's there to help me, but okay. So somebody comes in to play test an instrument, right? And do they freeze up or do you have, I don't know, maybe I'm just the weirdo in that bunch. What, what happens when somebody comes in? It's really interesting um, because I think sometimes the most stressful thing could be playing basics, playing something as simple as a scale because it shows everything. Um, but generally, I think people are so excited um, to because when you come to the showroom, you have this beautiful view, but then also you have all of the different components. You have the bells, you have the different trumpets, you have the slides. Um, and it's one of those things that... I, I sometimes think of playtesting and picking out a horn. It's kind of like therapy because you're really trying to get to the root of uh, what do you want to sound like? What are you using it for? What are your strengths? What are things that are maybe not as strong in your playing? And you're really tailoring it to that person. And with each person, I mean, I can sound doesn't have um, we don't have a vocabulary. It's all borrowed. So also part of that is getting to know each other and how we use different words to describe sound. Um, and it's really about for those, say, two hours is it's just this dialogue. It's this back and forth where even if we try something and it's a total dud, at least we have the information to know to go a different way. So it's this really fun process where you get to know, um, obviously, the other person. But I think uh, when you're trying out horns, you get to know yourself better and you really get to solidify the ideas that you have in your head and the sound that you have in your head. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a really fun experience. Uh, so sometimes people do freeze up, but I think then they just get so excited. It's like, okay, well, what is this? Let me try this. Um, you know, it's, it's great. <laughs> but, and, and I'm thinking now, I remember back to that first experience. I, I visited Wayne twice to have him work on, on horns. And I mean, what an amazing uh, craftsman technician he is. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like magic. Yeah, he's um, but I, I, I'm thinking back and it's like, maybe I expected that I have to go in and play Petrushka 
and Mahler 5, right? But you say really the best thing is just to come in and play, well, play scales. Because um, how you play is totally different from how I play and that's okay. Um, you don't have to be at all the best man. Like, I don't want that. I want to know what you do well. I want to know what you don't do well. It's just about being as honest as possible. Um, there's never any need to stress about how you sound when you play test because you're trying a bunch of different pieces of equipment. Of course, it's going to be really wonky. Um, but I think we all here have enough experience to know like, oh, this might just be you're changing so many different components or let's really zero in on this. Um, it's really an open welcoming process, I think. Uh, James, did you say you're euphonium or trombone or both? Uh, mostly trombone. Uh, I, I, I double on euphonium. Okay. So, James and Alexis, I have never been to an ITF. Are, are trombone players as insane as trumpet players when it comes to conferences? Because, I mean, is there somebody, and maybe it's the other way, instead of somebody trying to find the double high A on every trumpet, is there somebody trying to find the lowest note possible on the trombone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like rattles. Or do you hear how many how many ride of the Valkyries can you take in one day? All of them. All <laughs> so I'll, I'll share. There, there was there was one ITF that I went to, and and there was there was this one bass trombone player who came to our booth every day and picked up the same bass trombone and play tested it the same way for twenty minutes. And he was he was part of a visiting like trombone ensemble, and one of the things that they were playing was this arrangement of Scarborough Fair, and he would play. In, in this guy, I, I think he was from you know, I think he was German. He was a German you know trombone ensemble, and he would play the bass trombone melody from Scarborough Fair in the most like brutalistic fashion. Da 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 da. It was. It, it was great. It was, it was <laughs> right. That's, that's a trombone show. I think it's probably no coincidence that the bars are packed at the end of the day. <laughs> I was going to say the hang at the trombone shows is really good though. Yeah. yeah. Very good hang. See, I was, I was torn back in, right. We were in Miami last year, Yeah. yeah. but, but right out my back door in Muncie, ITF was going on and I wanted so badly to be able to go to both. You know, I've, I've been to the, the horn thing, which is like the most awkward thing on the face of the earth. It's probably like a double read conference. It's like everybody just staring at their shoes. And, but uh, yeah, I, I want to be able to experience a, a trombone conference sometime. I think, I think uh, we're kindred spirits, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. And, yes. you know, Sam and I got to experience a tuba euphonium conference for the first oh, time. Oh, man. That was special. <laughs> Late last year, we went to the, the iTech show. Um, and, and it was very similar to a trombone conference. I've never really, I haven't actually gone to many trumpet conferences. So, but it was, it was just like a trombone conference, except an octave down. And it, and it you know, I think, I think it's a different type of headache, right? A trumpet show, I think, is a very top of the head headache. Trombone shows are very much like in between kind of headache. And tuba euphonium shows are, are more kind of a gastrointestinal distress. Sort yeah. of. Which really is really great since I was eight and a half months pregnant at the time. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
Daddy loved it. Uh, Alexis, it looks like you're you're uh, you're about to bust a gut over there. <laughs> no, but I went to um, I went to the Tubiophonium show down in DC, and it felt like I did bust a gut. Um, <laughs> it was it was weird. I just felt like vaguely um, unsettled <laughs> for a couple of days. <laughs> like I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, all three have brass, or at least a trumpet, trombone, tubiophonium, like very distinctive personalities. Um, but it's it's a fun group of people overall, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I think we'd all say that we definitely miss that part of it um, right now during COVID. Like some of the most exciting things that we get to do all year is getting to see some of our friends and colleagues and um, family members in a lot of ways. So it's it's pretty sad to not have been able to hang out with everybody this summer um and we'll see what happens in the the coming months and into next year but yeah i mean that that camaraderie of it is so special whether you're a tuba player or a trumpet player or a trombone player so um you know i'm curious a little bit more background james uh did you get a performance or ed degree in in trombone yeah, I, I did a I, I did a, a performance degree from from Indiana, um, and then I actually moved out to Boston to start a master's degree um, here at BU. Uh, went to came here to study with Scott Hartman. Um, I uh, and then you know basically got got stranded here after that and started working at Shires. I just interviewed Scott a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. He is he is fantastic. You know, learning learning from him was was very you know. Uh, demanding and challenging and, and supportive in, in all the right ways. It was great. Yeah. Who did you study with at IU? Uh, I studied for three years with um, Ed Anderson um, and then a year with Carl Linthe. Ah, Carl's great. I love and Carl. One of, one, of, one of the most beautiful sounds I've, I've ever heard. Oh, what yeah. a great musician. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was the one that really, I, and I, I'm primarily a bass trombone player, but Carl was one of the was the kind of the first one to really kind of encourage me to double on tenor trombone, double on euphonium. Um, so, like when I got out of IU, that on his recommendation, I I bought a tenor trombone, I bought a euphonium, I started teaching private lessons and and kind of like expanding that 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 you know instrument set. And yeah. right now, I I I, tend, I sort of I play tenor trombone almost more than I play bass trombone. Uh, you know, in my in my own freelancing, mm -hmm. right? So. Mm -hmm. Alexis, what about you? Um, what about me? So I did my undergrad at Manhattan School of Music with David Finlayson. And then I did my grad degree at Juilliard with Per Brevig and Joe Alessi. And now I am back in school for a doctorate with uh, Toby Oft at Boston University. So it's um, it's been a lot of fun. And it's also really fun to get to meet so many trombonists in a completely different setting other than being a student. Um, it was uh, kind of surreal when Joe Alessi came in to the factory and he was like, well, what do you think? And I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> um, so that, that is a very, very cool part of this job is I get to so, work with my heroes. Uh, doctorate in performance? Yes. Can yeah. you tell so, him what your dissertation is, Alexis? Oh boy, <laughs> it's acoustics and psychoacoustics. So basically a little bit what we touched upon earlier on how we talk about sound and how we perceive sound. Um, and so I used uh, different alloys of bells 
like red, gold, yellow, um, to sort of illustrate that point. And um, it's it's an ongoing process because I think it's a very new conversation. Uh, but it's great because I got to use my schoolwork to help inform my work. work. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, I, I can't say that I would ever um, seek out that dissertation uh, to read for myself. But... <laughs> I don't know if I would either. <laughs> <laughs> this has been really great. I've I've learned a lot about Shires, but also about you guys too, which is, that was the whole point of this. Alexis, maybe you can mention a little bit just about virtual appointments. Yeah. So, um, one of the silver linings of uh, everything that's going on with COVID and everyone moving more virtually is that we are now, I think, in a way more accessible than ever. So instead of having to take the time and resources to fly out to Boston, spend a couple of days up here, um, we now are available by virtual appointments from your computer, which is a fantastic way to kind of start people on the journey to find the perfect horn, really talk about what they're looking for, their experiences in the past, what they liked, what they haven't liked, um, and kind of go through different components that might be great fits for them. But it's really wonderful because if you are a student or maybe you have a crazy work schedule or for whatever reason that you can't take the time to come up here, we can just meet for an hour usually, maybe two hours, and ha start this conversation. And then you can shoot emails, phone calls, basically just start the journey to finding the right one for you without you necessarily having to leave your house. <laughs> yeah, and, and that I think about the first time I bought a trumpet. It was, I, I ordered it through the music store and it came in. It was like buying it off the rack. There was no relationship. Yeah. Right. And I think these days that's really what it comes down to. It's not just a um, relationship with a brand. It's a relationship with the people that represent that brand. And I yeah. think, you know, the, you guys do that so well. well I, that's, one, that's one reason that I really, you know, I'm proud to say that I'm affiliated with, with Shires. It's just, it's, it's a great feeling. And, and there's a level of trust there. I think that, you know, when you talk about these other artists, that, that exists there with them too, is that it's not just you're providing something uh, high quality, but something more substantial and long-term that exists. That's sweet of you to say. Yeah, I think, I think that's a credit to the, the, the team that we have here, you know, um, mm -hmm. that we've got such a, such a, a wealth of talent and, and skills, you know, between you know Sam and Matt, Alexis, you know, being being the sort of outward face of, of the company and and really interacting with people one on one that, that want to mm -hmm. learn more and, and pick up instruments, and then you know my team in the back of the factory, you know, designing new processes, new instruments, new parts, um, actually building and crafting these instruments with their bare hands and sweat and hammers. <laughs> You know, and everyone, everyone doing their part and working together in, in such a, such a, such a really, really strong way. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we don't do it as much as we, we used to, but, you know, we used to, you know, we, we go out and you know, one of our guys in the back of the shop has a, has a, a friend who's in the restaurant business. So he's got a, a, a meat supplier, like, you know, like, you know, and so he would, he would come in and just basically set up a Brazilian barbecue on the back loading dock and just, <laughs> you know, 
hundreds of pounds of meat and we just you know you know on a friday afternoon finish our work early come in early friday morning get it done mm-hmm. have, a, have a barbecue in the back and, and it's not like a nice. big event it's just the guys just like hanging out together you know and that's cool that's yeah, cool you know we 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 do a christmas party every year and we you know we used to kind of cater it and do all that stuff and we just decided you know well, let's just do it here we'll do a potluck do a, do a you know um have a christmas party here Joe Alessi came to our Christmas party last year, uh, and we we had the whole brass ensemble. We got together, we played Christmas carols in the showroom, and and we had Joe playing with us, and it was it was fantastic, you know. And that, that's that, that kind of culture and 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 cooperation, you know, on on all aspects. Is I think is one of the things that makes makes the company really strong, and and it's it's nice to hear from you that that you know the that is 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 visible to the outside world as well. Because we're absolutely. We, we really enjoy our, each other and really enjoy what we're doing. Um, yeah. You know. So I know people in the back often get uh, forgot about by people who visit, you know, come through the front door or virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say, if you wouldn't mind, uh, to the people that probably built my trumpets, tell them thanks. I appreciate the great work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, again, this has been a lot of fun. And I hope to actually be able to meet you. I don't know if handshaking is ever going to be allowed again, right? But uh, it'll be nice to, to see people in person <laughs> at some point. So, uh, James, thank you. Alexis, thank you. Sam, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Tune in next week for another great interview. And one last reminder that you can help support this podcast by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studiohfl. Your support would be most appreciated. And another special thanks to Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and Pickett Blackburn for their support of this podcast. Thanks again. Now, go practice.